Hello and welcome to the August DCM podcast. Now, before I introduce this month's guest, I realised that I haven't reminded everyone that the podcast is now on iTunes. I should have said this last month. I should have said it the month before. Um, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for you to listen to this. In fact, we're, if you go to um, iTunes, type in Digital Cinema Media, click subscribe, the podcast will be forced onto your iPhone or whatever smartphone that you choose to use. And then you will have no choice but to listen to it. Um, I think that's a good thing. Either way, please do it because I've remembered to say it this month. But um, anyway, as I said, it's the August DCM podcast. Uh, it's been an exciting month for cinema. And joining me to discuss this and many other topics it today is Rob Morton, who heads up the film buying team at View Cinemas, one of the UK's biggest cinema chains. Hello, Rob. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Good. And Rob, you're a big podcast fan. We've discussed this in the past, haven't we? I am. I'm, I'm a huge podcast fan. To be honest, I subscribe to way more podcast podcasts that I can than I can possibly listen to. Have you subscribed to this one? Of course, and I've listened to all of them. Good. That's the correct answer. And um, yeah, I'm a huge podcast fan as well. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got. I, it's annoying because they, they get downloaded to my iPhone faster than I could possibly listen to them. So I've just got this backlog of huge numbers of podcasts to listen to. But um, I, I need to go on holiday and just listen to podcasts. You know, people take books on holidays. I need to do that podcast. You should try running, because that's what I do. I, I well, you run, run to podcasts. And I run to podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Um, I choose anything that's like 120 beats per minute, and that's it. Um, well, this is why I run very slowly. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, um, I, as I said, you head up the film buying team at View. What does that entail? So there's there's 10 of us in the department. Um, so my job, it's really simple. I just got to put films on screen that people want to come and watch. And that that's it. That's it. I got to put them on in the right cinema uh, at the right time, uh, right number of shows. And that's the entire View Estate? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we have 84 cinemas. And yes, look at me, I'm responsible for all 84 of them. How many screens is that? Uh, about 700. Okay, so it's, yeah, it's a good chunk of the UK cinema yeah, market. Yeah. And um, how do you go about programming your sites then? Well, the first thing we do, which is the best part of the job, is we watch the films. That's always important. Um, we speak to distributors, um, speak to our colleagues in distribution. Uh, we talk to them about what kind of marketing they're going to do with films, when they're going to release them, uh, how many screens they're expecting to play on. We watch the films, see if they're any good, see if they're commercial. Um, and then we make decisions from there. It's 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 like building a big jigsaw puzzle, really. Um, you know, you've got a dozen films being released each week, and we've got to find the right ones for us. And um, I mean, as someone I, personally, as my my role at DCM, I have to forecast admissions, and I sometimes find that seeing a film is not always the best way of doing that. Do you find that that's the case? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you hear about a film, you hear, you read the synopsis, you might see the trailer, you might get super excited about a film, uh, and then you watch it, and then you then you figure out why the studio is not talking about the film too much. I'm not going to name names, obviously, um, but I guess it, in some ways it's good to see what just what the customer sees. So they haven't seen the film. That's what I find. Yeah. I find that. It, quite often the most useful thing to go on is the marketing so the poster and the trailer because that's what the customer is going to see and if the, if the poster and the trailer you can see a film that is really great and if you feel like the poster or trailer doesn't encapsulate what that film is actually about that can be misleading and it can kind of cloud your thought do you, do you, do you find that? Absolutely you know we had some films come out earlier this year that 
with Tip for Greatness and some fantastic five-star reviews. Um, Whiplash, for example, absolutely amazing film. I don't know anybody who didn't love it. Um, it's a tough film to sell. Always a tough sell. It's about a really jazz tough drama. sell. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, the studio did a great job with it. They did their best with it. Um, at the end of the day, convincing a customer to hand over their hard-earned cash, it's not always that easy. And a film like that as well, it will be one that you'll probably get. I mean, I've already had people coming up to me saying, oh, I saw Whiplash last week on on DVD or Blu-ray or on Video On Demand. I can't believe how amazing it was because people will be discovering that film for the next few years. Absolutely, yeah. The, the word I'm, there is discovery. Yeah, I've, I've had people say to me, oh, have you heard of this film? It's called Whiplash. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's fantastic. You should have paid your money yeah, yeah, exactly. a few months ago. I mean, it's, one, it's just one of those things. I mean, what creates a cult film, I guess, is the fact that People, you know, don't, for some reason, don't go and see it at the cinema. I mean, one of the, mo- the the number one film on IMDb is The Shawshank Redemption, yeah. which I know that most people who love it didn't see it at the cinema, and that's just what I mean. That's one of the challenges that w- that you face, I guess, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, there's loads of films going back in history that 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 did nothing at the box office. Um, Blues Brothers, one of my favourite films, nobody went to see it. Commercial disaster when it came out, and then has cult status. Um, and then Blues Brothers 2000 came and out, and then history um, appeared. Yeah, no one went to see that. Point, yeah, yeah. How how do you decide how long a film stays on for? Uh, so we we start from scratch every week. So every Monday uh, we look at the cinema performance um, performance of every film in the cinema for all our cinemas, all our screens, um, and we have to make a decision whether we're going to keep playing that film for another week. So Monday is a really long day in the film buying department. Um, we're in six o'clock in the morning. We go home when it's done, and we renegotiate every film on our circuit. So it's like starting with a blank piece of paper every week. Um, so if a film works and people are, are enjoying it, are watching it, then it will keep running. It will keep running for weeks and weeks. Jurassic World is not going anywhere. We're still playing it in most of our cinemas. Um, you know, it's, it's racing towards 65, 66 million pounds in the box office. Um, we knew it was going to be good, but we thought perhaps it would last kind of six weeks. But it's still here, and it's not going anywhere. And that that this is its ninth week, I think, isn't it, of yeah. exhibition? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, we'll talk about Jurassic World because what this is one of. The, I mean, we, obviously there are challenges of when a film doesn't perform how you would like it to. Something like Whiplash, which obviously was a great film, but um, something like Jurassic World, where I don't know anyone who expected it to be as big as Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, what are the challenges do you face when you come in on a Monday and Jurassic World has done probably twice as much as you would have expected to do? Yeah, it is. It is a challenge. We do. We don't make decisions up front about what's going to happen the following weekend, except for new films. So we will have committed to start a new film, a um, bunch of new films every week. So it's about kind of constructing that jigsaw, making sure you've got enough space um, to meet demand for something like Jurassic World. We will have mapped it out. We, you know, we know what we're we know what we think we're going to do around Christmas time already. So we look into the future. We plan stuff out. Um, sometimes you you don't get it quite right. You know, fortunately, um, it works where you haven't expected something to do as well. That's a good position to be in to have too many busy, successful films out there. Occasionally, something something doesn't work, and that gives you a little bit of room to to keep some of the better performing films going for longer than you thought. And so, do you program? each of your sites individually or is it done by regional do you or do you look go down to each individual screen and see what's going to work best on that screen for the following week absolutely i mean it's what makes our estate kind of interesting is because um you'd have very very commercial cinemas that play blockbusters really really well 
they know what they like. Um, but then you have certain cinemas. Um, we have a cinema in Islington, in North London, and that's, that's my a, local cinema. Oh, it is. Many people's local. It's a brilliant cinema to book because everything works there. So it means you get to play around a little bit. So you might not have five copies of Mission Impossible in there. You might have a couple and then give yourself a little bit of room to play a little bit of range. So we absolutely look cinema by cinema, um, screen by screen, and you know, almost even show by show. If a film is working at two o'clock and not three o'clock, then we'll keep playing it at two o'clock and we won't play it at three. That's a good point because I, I went to his interview last Monday and saw The Diary of a Teenage Girl, uh-huh. which is a film that people might not expect to be playing at their local view multi- multiplex. We have quite a lot of cinemas with 10 screens like Islington, but we, we absolutely book those cinemas differently. Um, we've got a, a really, really good cinema in Bury, um, which does fantastic business in a uh, shopping centre. Near Manchester? Yeah, up, up north. Um, and it does absolutely brilliant business. But um, certain films don't play with too well there so we might do multiple copies of a blockbuster there and just have one copy in a in somewhere like Islington so you really have to know know the market know the local territory we speak to our cinema managers weekly to see what customers are coming in and asking for so we we take that feedback on board and also things like trailers when we play a trailer in a cinema we ask for feedback from our cinema managers to see whether on a Saturday night somebody's watching the trailer for something that's coming out in the next couple of weeks, that on-the-ground information is really important. That's a, something leads on to something I've been wondering. Um, how do you decide which trailers to show before each um, film, or is that purely down to the cinema manager? Uh, no, no, we, we decide that centrally. Um, so we take on board all the distributors' requests every week. Um, most distributors would like their trailer for their films playing on everything, quite, quite understandably. Yeah. It's really important that people in the cinemas get to see trailers. It's the most powerful medium in terms of what people choose to watch um so we negotiate with them we look at what's coming out kind of immediately it'd be great fun to have you know the star wars trailer's brilliant and it'd be great fun to have that on every film but we have to think about the the near future as well so we have to consider what's coming out in the next couple of weeks so are you showing the star wars trailer now because i thought a lot of um cinemas didn't show trailers uh, that were coming out any more than eight weeks prior to that was yeah. it's the star wars trailer a, a rare yeah, we, we don't have a strict rule. So okay. we do look at what's coming out in the uh, in the near future. But if there's an event movie, and especially an event trailer, if everybody knows that a, a trailer is being launched on a particular title um, for something as big as Star Wars, then you want to get involved and you don't want to disappoint customers because they're, they're probably partly watching films for the trailers. Um, so we try and meet that demand. So we try and get f- trailers out there for films that perhaps people haven't heard of. But then also kind of go, you know, enjoy this. Yeah, we know you're here to watch the Star Wars trailer, so so we'll put it on. It's not playing too widely at the minute, but it it will be back. Yeah, um, and up, there's got to be a new trailer for that soon as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, it the, it was April 28th, I think it was, or something. It was April when it, uh, it, it we got it. Well, it was in time for Age of Ultron, wasn't it? So, which yeah, was yeah. 26th of April. Yeah. Um, and I, I've never seen reaction to a trailer that, that we had for that one. I was. Uh, I watched the live beaming of the trailer from Star Anaheim, Wars Celebration, yeah. yeah, and I watched it um, in London on uh, on a big screen with um, 300 other people. And um, I don't mind confessing, I might have shed a little tear at the end of that trailer. It was just such a momentous event, and just such a just such a feeling of love and warmth for something that people are just genuinely excited about. And we, I mean, I genuinely want it to be great. Uh, Funny enough, I was listening to a podcast this morning, which was um, the 
Scroobius Pitt podcast where he was talking with Gail Porter um, <laughs> and they were both talking about how nervous they were about The Force Awakens because they so desperately want it to be good. And there is that there is a, such a general general feeling of excitement that people want this to are desperate for this film to be good and when that trailer landed and it looks like the looks perfect the casting's great and then Harrison Ford turns up in the end and it's just I think it's just a huge enormous sigh of relief from everyone isn't there I think what's great about this is that everybody like you say wants it to work and wants it to be great I don't think there's too much cynicism out there um, I think people genuinely want it to be fantastic and it's it's a tough job Disney have spent an awful awful lot of money on getting a Lucasfilm um, so Massive, massive investment. So they will be putting absolutely everything behind it. And you, you look at the slate; they've, they're lining up with the first cast photo for Rogue One released at the weekend. The announcement yeah, of yeah. the two um, th- th- worlds at Disney World and Disneyland. They're, you know, they're they're going for it. And Colin Trevorrow, director of Jurassic World, directing Episode Nine now. Um, we're not getting away from Star Wars anytime soon. So they've got to get this first one right, haven't they? Absolutely. You know, it's a it's a, a three billion dollar film, essentially. Yeah heading up the film buying team how do you get into that uh so i started um right right from from the ground level i started uh, 20 years ago in the cinema business uh for warner brothers cinemas uh, as an usher at a, a cinema in cambridge my first shift was 10 a.m till 12 till 10 p.m cleaning toilets scooping popcorn not at the same time <laughs> um and i was hooked straight away and i kind of worked myself worked my way up through management teams um ran a few cinemas opened a few multiplexes um nagged for many many years to get into the film buying department it's a little bit dead man shoes people don't tend to leave once they're in in this department um finally somebody did not die but left uh, and I managed to get my foot in the door and uh, work my way up from there. So, it's so been... you literally did start at the very bottom of the cinema industry? Yeah, absolutely. Probably two-thirds of my team are um, are from cinemas. So they either started as a staff member like myself or started as a manager in the cinema and kind of progressed from there. Um, we also have um, TV schedulers in the department. We have DVD buyers in the department. So um, we have a whole range of experience that, that come together. Um, to make a to make a really coherent team, uh, and you and you also used to manage the Cambridge view there, which I used to go to before we'd ever met. And that's probably my, my favourite time working in the cinema business was uh, when I ran uh, Cambridge um, View Cambridge as it became. Uh, we used to do over a million admissions a year in a really small, compact eight screen cinema, um, and I, I'd go in to do a, a late shift on a Saturday. I get to work at four o'clock in the afternoon. And we'd be sold out of every show till midnight. So it was it was always a busy one when yeah. I would go there. I mean, because it's right near the university yeah. there as well. Yeah. And so you say a million admissions a year is great for a site of that eight screen. Um, what would be your best performing site? Is that View Westfield Stratford? So um, Westfield Shepherd's Bush oh. is um, uh, it's the biggest grossing cinema in the UK uh, out of any cinemas, um, and Westfield Stratford is number three. So. Both those cinemas have been an incredible, incredible success. And number two, I'm guessing, is probably Cineworld Glasgow, isn't it? Uh, it depends on the week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, we won't, we won't <laughs> go into that. What have been the films that have really taken you by surprise so far this year? There's been a couple. Um, Home, Fox animation film, Blue Sky film, um, was, was an incredible success. Came out at uh, Easter. We saw it quite early. We saw footage. It kind of looked 
bright and colourful and entertaining. So we kind of we thought you know it's a good ten to twelve million pound film. Um, it kind of it'll hit a certain market. And that finished um, finished off on twenty five million. It's still going. So, I mean, and it did it's, about hundred thousand last yeah. week, didn't it? So we're still playing it in kids clubs, and yeah, it's doing fantastic business. Um, out in the center at the minute, Southport has been keeps a, going as well. Another result. one. It seems that um, while all the summer blockbusters are kind of doing okay, um, people like a bit of seriousness sometimes, and. Um, the adult audience is is lapping up at Jake Gyllenhaal. But home, going back to home, that's an interesting one as well because animation can be a little bit tricky to call. You don't know what's going to really uh, appeal to kids. But you're right, this one did look big and colourful. But reviews came out and it didn't do so well. And it just reminded me very much the way it's performed of a couple of years ago, The Crudes, which was a very similar release date, but just kept going and going and ended up on a very similar uh, uh, mark, about Absolutely. 25, 26 yeah. million. Yeah, we were a little bit, perhaps a little bit cynical about Crudes. We thought, oh, so it looks a little bit brave. It looks a, a little bit kind of generic, but um, there's been absolutely fantastic sequels coming out in a couple of years. Um, this year's actually been really good for animation. Last last Chris, last uh, summer, we were a little bit starved for it, um, but this, this summer we've had um, Minions, of course, which is just the third biggest film of the year now. Absolutely everywhere. Uh, and the wonderful Inside Out. Inside Out, which um, it started, I mean, I thought I, I thought this would be one of biggest, Pixar's biggest for a few years. Um, and it started dropping off last couple of weeks, isn't it? But it came back strongly this weekend. This weekend's been great. I mean, you know, we're, we're at the mercy of the weather a little bit. Yeah. Um, obviously. So Inside Out opening weekend, the weather was terrible, um, but great cinema weather, brilliant cinema weather. All our operations team have been doing... Uh, rain dances and it, it certainly paid off that weekend weather can have a big effect on cinema um i mean we do get have had films this year which are weatherproof things like the fast and furious 50 shades yeah, yeah. avengers um do you guys pay much attention to long-range weather forecasts or is that no use yeah we, we absolutely do it's really important to us we um we we're always looking at the weather especially during the holidays um we, we check our admissions every hour you know if we're if we're selling out of a of a film, we need to do something about that. Um, so we can perhaps put it in a, in a larger screen. We don't like turning people away. And the weather's really important. Like you say, there are weatherproof films, for sure. But what we often find is that first sunny weekend of the summer, you can pretty much forget it. That, yeah. that first barbecue weekend. And as the weekends go along, people kind of, kind of get all right about the fact that they've had enough sun. So they'll come into us, come into air conditioning as well, which is it was that a plus. It was that first sun, really sunny weekend, I think, was the first weekend of June and Spy and Insidious were coming out that weekend. And the week, either if, it, if either had come out the week either side, I think they would have seen a much better weekend performance. And I think Spy did manage to turn it around a bit because it held up really strongly. But you're right. I mean, uh, and I find that towards the end of the summer, when you get to the last, in late September, if we get an Indian summer and there's a sunny weekend, uh, you can see because it's the people want to make the most of that summer weekend. Yeah, that sun. It's that first weekend, and and then like I say, what towards you would the perceive end. is going to be the last yeah. one. And then you know, so <laughs> it's strange in the cinema business. You know, we we look at the weekend forecast, and half of you goes, "Oh, great, it's raining," and half of you goes, "Oh, god, it's raining." What have been your highlights of the film slate this year? I really enjoyed Jurassic. I mean, Jurassic is I, I saw it a couple of weeks before it came out, and um, I just came up with a massive smile on my face. I thought they've nailed it. They've completely nailed it. Um, I'm a huge Spielberg fan, but I didn't like The Lost World. Um, I thought Jurassic 3 was okay. But this one just hit hit everything just on the nose. It was absolutely fantastic. And already mentioned um, Whiplash is probably probably my number two film of the year. 
So Jurassic World's number one and Whiplash yeah. What a double bill, huh? That's a good, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I liked, I did like Jurassic World and I think it did everything it needed to do really well. And what blockbusters seem to be doing at the moment and Star Wars and Bond are both going to do this, I think, is it kind of plays on our nostalgia for our, our knowledge of the previous films in the series. And... Jurassic World did that really well. The way yeah, it just yeah. kind of touched on Jurassic Park and um, they had the bit, the whole sequence where they went to the old part of Jurassic Park um, uh, and the use of the theme tune and such like it just... It, there was just enough, wasn't there? Yeah, just, yeah. Not, not too much, but just enough for those old enough to remember going to see it. And I think that's what time. Skyfall did very well. The fact that it touched on our knowledge of previous Bond films in a kind of really... Um, light way but didn't rely too heavily on them and provided something new and that's what Jurassic World did and that's what I think Sam Mendes is trying for Spectre again I think there's little bits in the Spectre trailer which relate to previous Bond films like the white tuxedo and yeah, the spinning yeah. helicopter in the trailer which was the man from the golden gun where he launched spun the car is that right I think it was yeah, yeah. but um, anyway um, but yeah I think that's going to be a big part and Star Wars obviously as well with I think Harrison yeah Ford. I agree with, with Skyfall you, you have the the, the tune at the end of Skyfall and I think everybody just wanted more straight away so they've had to wait three years but um, I'm thinking it's going to be worth the wait I haven't seen too much more than you've seen so just very quickly when we're talking about films like Jurassic World I mean it is the biggest film of the year um, but with the summer films being affected by weather and the summer um, and that's obviously only going to really happen from sort of May to September. Are we going to see fewer and fewer summer blockbusters and more f big films coming out in October, November, January, February when, think, when they're less reliant on the weather? Yeah, I think that there might be a, a slight skew towards that. The thing with September is um, kids going back to school. Obviously, um, people are starting their post-summer diets, um, trying to get fit. You get people going back to university. So September is often a bit of a tricky time. Um, I think what we have seen a lot more of over the past few years is Christmas being such a Christmas New Year week being um, phenomenally big. I think it arguably started with I Am Legend a few years ago where it just kind of pretty much came out of nowhere and exploded. And that it's become, I think, a, a treat and a habit and a, a tradition perhaps for a lot of families to go and watch films Christmas to New Year's, um, which is why Star Wars will have a second amazing weekend this this december and probably a third which would be the third, new year's and weekend new year's day weekend yeah, yeah yeah um and so what are you most looking forward to i'm really looking forward to i'm a huge um zemeckis fan so i'm looking forward to the walk immensely with joseph gordon levitt where he's um walking on a tightrope between the twin towers um, seeing that very soon, really looking forward to that. And I'm surprised it's been given a PG cert. Yeah, it has, yeah. Which, which I think is a good thing. You don't see many PG certificate you, films, do It just seems that for a film that's aimed at predominantly adult audience, they just give it seem to give it a 12A. But this one has give, been given a PG, which I think is a, it's a good thing. You know, I think that's going to potentially... Uh, people who didn't feel like that story was accessible to them or their family might now feel, actually, I want to go see that because it is going to be a big 3D um, spectacle, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of families do take the certificate into account. Um, we've just had uh, Pixels open open pretty decently, uh, that, and that was a twelve A. And when I saw it, I couldn't really see what was in it that made it a twelve A particularly. But um, I think had it been a PG, perhaps it might have done a little bit better. And we, we saw it with Diary of a Teenage Girl, which um, got an eighteen instead of what could have been a fifteen. It, um, I mean, it was. Uh, I uh, it's one of those films where I can see why it got an eighteen, sir, but. 
I just think there's no benefit in giving it an 18. The people who want to see that film, or what happened, well, no, the people who will actually benefit from that film um, will be 15 to 17. And um, I took my girlfriend to see it, and she just came out of it absolutely buzzing. She was like, I wish I'd seen a, a film like that when I was 15 or yeah. 16. And, and the BBFC in there, you know, for whatever reason, we've decided that 15 or 16 year olds can't see it yet. But any, but I, if you're 16, uh, you, you would try and get in to see that, wouldn't you? I mean, it's like, when I was at 17, 16, 17, I was trying to get in to see 18 different films at the cinema. Obviously, you work for an exhibitor, <laughs> so you can't I possibly comment on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we never allow anybody underage to into our cinemas. I, I saw Silence of the Lambs when I was 16. I remember being so, so nervous about going in. I was so nervous about saying the right thing to the cashier in a, in a really small little uh, independent cinema. Um, and... I was so nervous about getting the question right when I was inevitably asked, are you 18? And for some reason, I just went, no. And she went, you're not 18. I mean, yes, 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 I am. Yes, I am. And I got in, so. I, would, I used to go, are you, if they were said, are you 18? I'd be like, no. And then say, I'm 19. <laughs> so like be indignant that I've been asked if I'm 18. But I went to see Species at Cambridge um, View. It might have been Warner Village back then when I was 17. And we, me and some mates were desperate to see that. And um, uh, yeah, probably not quite as educational as, <laughs> well, as educational in its own way as uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl. So, I mean, the big question that's going on in our DCM office at the moment is we're talking about Spectre and Star Wars. I'm going to put you uh, on the spot. What's going to be bigger? Yeah, because that is... That's a tall one. What a wonderful problem to have, actually. You know, which film is going to be the bigger of those two? Um, I want it to be Star Wars because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, I think Spectre might just might just nudge it in the UK. I think worldwide, then Star know, Wars is no question be, about yeah, it. But, but in the UK, I think it's going to be incredibly close. But if I was a betting man, uh, I would probably say Spectre will probably nudge it. I think the bookies would probably give you better odds on Spectre, um, shorter odds on Spectre. But I think for Force Awakens, is, if it's as good as it looks, is gonna will nudge it. But pe- people, and I know people who feel like that, but people kind of neglect the fact that Skyfall did 103 million. And, you know, this one, there's no reason to think that people who went to see Skyfall won't go and see Spectre because it's, you know, it's, it's people love Skyfall. It, it, it's, it's a phenomenon, you know, for a film in the UK to do over 100 million pounds is just... It's still the only film to have done it. Um, you know, Avatar um, did just under 100 million, which was a stunning, stunning result that nobody saw going. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody thought after seeing Skyfall, everybody thought, yeah, this this is going to be kind of 60 plus, which is an incredible amount of money. Well, but when you consider Quantum of Solace did 52, was it? Yeah. And then Skyfall doubled that. That's, I mean, it it it, it shows how unpredictable and volatile the uh, market that we work in is i mean it's you can never predict if you just said to someone it's going to break 100 million they probably would have thought you're crazy yeah yeah i would i would have probably lost my job if i'd put that on our on our forecast i think um so i mean last year was not a great year for the cinema industry in terms of the total number of emissions 157 million this year we're on track to break the 170 mark i think that's, I mean, I think we'll probably get to 172 at least. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, we've, we've got one and a third billion pounds coming through the box office, which is just, just incredible. And it, you know, it, there's a lot of competition for people's leisure pound, as they call it. Um, you know, home entertainment is, is getting more incredible in terms of TVs that you can get, um, downloads, obviously. Um, but people are clearly relishing that cinema experience. You know that that shared experience, 
Um, you know, and I, I don't see it going away. I think next year is going to be going to be incredible. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll move on to next year. I mean, uh, are you planning for 2016 already, or are you still just focusing on 2015? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're 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 talking about 2017. You know, we have to start doing budgets. I have to start doing budgets for 2017 very soon, which is which is bizarre. Um, but 2016, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're 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 completely planning that out. It's, I mean, in, certainly in terms of sequels next year. Um, we've got Finding Dory, which I'm yeah, yeah. particularly excited about. Which I, I think will, you know, uh, Finding Nemo is one of Pixar's most beloved films, isn't it? I think we're going to see a real... And, and it's Andrew Stanton back as well. Yeah. And I think... Whereas Monsters University kind of changed the whole milieu... I, I sound poncy saying that. <laughs> but of, of the... That of, word's probably never been used in connection with Monsters, Monsters University, University. But I, it... it it felt like a very different film to Monsters Inc., didn't it? It, it was, and and I don't think Finding Dory is going to be that. I think I've only I've seen tiny, tiny bits of it as, as I think you have, but um, I think it's gonna it's gonna look stunning. The characters are universally loved. It's gonna it's gonna move the story on a little bit, but um, it is a it is a sequel, and it's it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be phenomenal. I'm really excited about Captain America three Civil War, yeah, Civil War. Um, or Avengers 2.5. That's what it feels like, isn't it? Because it's got Iron Man in it, it's got Hawkeye, it's got Ant-Man in it. It will be comfortably the biggest performing Captain America film yet, won't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has a little way to go to be the biggest um, single uh, Marvel film. Um, Iron Man 3 still holds that record. Yeah, Um, 37. Yeah, so it's going to have to go some way, but it could do it. It could absolutely do it. We've got a Bourne movie next year. Paul Greengrass yeah. and Matt Damon back. Very excited about that. And Alicia Vikander, who is in every film. Probably, she's probably in Finding Dory as well. I think there are six of her. I think it, Yeah. Because she is in every film, as you say. I think Ex Machina wasn't actually... Was actually a documentary. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, Oscar Isaac has produced more uh, of Alicia Vikander just so she can star in all the films she's starring in. All too real. We've got an Ice Age movie next year. Yeah. Uh, we've got an X-Men movie next year. BFG. I'm particularly excited about BFG. Yeah, I've got BFG written down here. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm the biggest Spielberg fan. And um, I, I'm, I certainly was a, a huge Roald Dahl fan. So to put them two together, um, hugely excited about that film. Um that's certainly going to be in top five next year, I think, in terms of box office. Yeah, um, um, that's where we're placing it as well at the moment. And there is talk that Steven Spielberg is in discussions with Gene Wilder about a part in his upcom- one of his upcoming films. And people are saying it might be Ready Player One, which he's doing after the BFG. But there's also talk that he might be voicing the BFG. But I thought that was Mark Rylance. That's what I heard, yeah. I, I know he's certainly doing kind of motion capture for it. Yeah. Um, but it would be quite nice to see a Gene Wilder cameo, actually. I would just love to see Gene Wilder back on screen. And Gene Hackman. Gene Where's Hackman he? is... He is he is one of my favourite actors. I um, I was on a one of those Hollywood um, Beverly Hills studio tour things when you're on a, you're in a coach going around. Um, and I went past Gene Hackman's house and he was getting the newspaper in. And I love Gene Hackman. He's just... He's, any line he delivers Do you is think just the, fantastic. Does, was the tour guide like pressing a button? Gene, exit house now. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, go get the paper. Yeah, he needs a few dollars as well. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that he's retired. You know, he's, he's, he's old. Massively he's 83 missed. or something, isn't he? Yeah, and 2016 as well. I mean, we're looking at award season for 2016 next year, and we've got the new Tarantino, The Hateful Eight, which he hasn't let us down yet, has he? He hasn't, and the trailer's just landed, and... Um, I always like to go into a Tarantino film, especially not knowing too much about it. It's kind of hard 
to in my job because we read a lot and we see a lot and um, we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, but I'm trying to go in there as cold as I possibly can. The trailer's, like I say, has just hit. It doesn't tell you a huge amount, though, does it? It, it just looks very distinctively Tarantino. It looks beautiful as it's, well. It's nice and teasery. And it's interesting that it's coming out so close to The Revenant. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a crazy double bill on a Saturday night. The Revenant, as far as I'm concerned, is as exciting as anything next year. That's Alejandro Gonzalez and Yurutu's film starring Tom Hardy and Leonardo DiCaprio. The trailer is just stunning. It's it's shot by Emmanuel Lubetsky, who's generally regarded as the greatest cinematographer working in, in cinema. And he was the cinematographer on Gravity and Birdman, probably the two most striking from a kind of conceptual level films visually that we've had in the last couple of years so I just can't wait to see what he's done in The Revenant and you watch that trailer and you think there's kind of genius at work here yeah it's all it's all shot with natural light um, so no no artificial lighting um, the stunts are done in camera and some of the stunts in the trailer are just the tr- you know, how do you do that yeah I mean I, I, I and as you said a week after The Hateful Eight is, do you think there's a chance we might see one of those films move? Because they're going for a similar audience, would you not think? But I think if any, January's probably one of those months where people will go more than once, if they... Absolutely. And January's kind of a... It's a really interesting and usually challenging time of the year to book. So you, you have different periods where you, you meet different challenges. So summer is about getting enough seats available, hopefully for customers, um, getting multiple copies in, making sure we have enough shows. Um and then it gets to January time and it becomes more of a curating task. So uh, you've got lots of quality titles out there. You, you need to get as many out as you possibly can um, and keep films running because some of these films have to run till the to Oscar and BAFTA time. Um, Which is March and yeah. late February, early March. Isn't so it's it? a long time to keep, especially some of these films that come out December and early January. It's a long time to keep in the cinema. Well, Joy, the David O. Russell one, comes out on New Year's Day, doesn't it? And yeah. that, I mean, that's going to be a big awards contender, particularly for Jennifer Lawrence's performance. And that will still have to be in cinemas around eight week, nine weeks later. And we've got stuff out in November. Um, you know, we've got Lady in the Van. Yeah. Carol as November. well. Carol, um, Brooklyn, um, Steve Jobs, all these films. Bridge of Spies. They're all going to need to be shown you know, come back to time. So what we what we often do is films that come out that little bit earlier, they'll come off screen, they'll make way for other films, and then we'll bring them back, um, near, especially near a BAFTA time. Uh, I, we could talk for uh, hours, but uh, we should probably start wrapping this up. But um, in terms of the rest of the year, are there any films that you think we should be looking out for that perhaps are not on people's radar yet? Not sure, but I'm sure it's on people's radar, but um, Everest is a, a massive, stunning achievement out September 18th, um, just see it on, on the, the biggest screen you can in 3D. Um, just an incredible piece of filmmaking, an incredible achievement of how they actually shot it, and really, really moving. Um, absolutely an amazing film to be seen on a big screen. Uh, Sicario, look out for that. Yeah, it's one of those films where you just, the film finishes and the credits roll, and then you realise that you probably haven't breathed for the past hour. Um, and you certainly haven't kind of moved your hands. They've been really tensely gripped for the for the last. He's hour fast so. turning into one of my favourite directors, Denis Villeneuve. I would, I mean, I'm. He's doing Blade Runner two next, and you know, Blade Runner two when it gets announced is one of those ones where you're like, oh goodness, why are they doing this? But now I'm, I'm all <laughs> in. Like, I, I really like Prisoners. I thought Sicario was so gripping. She's great. Benicio del Toro. He's a potential Oscar winner in there. Yeah, he? yeah, very, very possibly, very possibly. Um, what else have we got? Bridge of Spies, Spielberg. Spielberg. No, it's can't, can't fail, can it? Looking forward to that. 
Brooklyn, Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender. He's, know, he's due an Oscar as well, isn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that that's going to be absolutely brilliant. Lady in the Van, I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maggie Smith. My mum can't wait to see Lady in the Van. That's Alan Bennett, isn't it? Yeah, and, that's a true story. Um, directed by Nicholas Hintner. Yes. Starring Maggie Smith. And, you know, any performance involving Maggie Smith uh, is to be savoured, I think. So I can't wait for this. And you still got, even before Star Wars, we've still got Pixar's Good Dinosaur, uh, which should have come out last year. Um, we've seen a little bit of that. It looks absolutely stunning. It's it's kind of a mix of kind of cartoony animation in terms of the characters, but then photo real backgrounds. Well, Rob, um, we should probably wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And I will be back next month uh, for the September DCM podcast. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on iTunes. Uh, and thanks for listening. Bye bye. Thank you.